0: Mora conducts physician-led support groups, helping people live healthier, happier lives, free from chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. And on our podcast, Health and Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus, we bring to you nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests to empower and inspire you with their knowledge and stories of plant-based lifestyle so that you can be your healthiest self.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm very excited to welcome another vegan fitness enthusiast, Gabriel Chenet. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you, Lori, for having me on.
1: Thank you. And I hope I didn't slaughter the last name I've been saying. It you a did.
0: You did I great. Did you did All great. right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's keep it up. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you're from Vegan Fitness Redefined. So you've got quite a bit of I mean, good stuff on there and you guys check it out. But we're going to talk a about your journey and health and how that relates to, you know, bodybuilding and strength and just overall mm. fitness and see what you think. But Um, tell us a little bit about your story. What led you to a whole food plant-based diet? I'd be curious to, to know your, your, what led you down that path? Mm,
0: Yes. Great question, by the way. And I think, you know, the seeds were initially planted about like uh, five or six years ago when I first became pescatarian. And I, you know, just being completely honest, I actually never knew what the word vegan meant. (laughs) I knew what vegetarian was. And I was like, what's vegan like I started hearing like this word like vegan I'm like what are they <laughs> like I don't even know what they are right but I, I knew what vegetarian was um but I started I, I was actually living in uh Yonkers New York at the time so back in New York mm. and there was like a zen center I would go and meditate every Sunday and sometimes after the meditation they would have uh like a meal and I'm like oh hell yeah I'm staying for a meal I'm like, I was just meditating all morning I'm staying for a meal and they started to bring out like plant-based meals, like whole food plant-based meals. And I was so curious. I'm like, you know, where's the protein, right? Because you know, obviously, I was still pescatarian. I was like, you know, working out in the gym and trying to build muscle. And I was like, you know, what, what, what is this? You know, I'm like, there's no protein at all. I'm like, no, nothing. Like, no dairy, no eggs, nothing. And I was like, I was really intrigued. And you know, they basically explained like, this is vegan, you know. But but they also explained like the reason why, right? They explained like, you know, this is this is like food, but it's compassionate, right? And I was like, oh my goodness, you know? Here I was like, kind of like just thinking about like compassion as like this idea, right? Mm -hmm. And here they were actually putting it into action. So compassion in action. And uh, later that year, actually, I moved to uh, Bristol, United Kingdom. Uh, My wife had been, or my wife now, she'd been vegan already five or six years. And she had also been educating me, telling me more about uh, veganism in general. And so I became vegan that year. And while I was vegan, you could say like in name, I feel like I truly became vegan in, like in spirit about a year later when I started to connect more deeply with the ethics and the morality, even the spiritual aspect of it as well. Um, and in terms of whole foods, like com- being completely honest, I truly feel like I didn't go like whole food plant-based, you know, like more like really focusing on having like foods from the planet, mm-hmm. fruits, vegetables, like herbs and spices. I didn't focus on that until like two or three years after, right? Cause my first initial thing was like, oh, like you're vegan, like that's health, right? And you know, there's so many misconceptions, especially as you're learning about veganism and all the foods. And I think it's amazing. They have so many options now, but I think that it's easy to get misdirected. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation out there. And I think it's very useful, right? To uh, To have your base, your foundation, You know, really coming from foods that support your health, right? Doesn't mean you can't build muscle, you can't drop fat, you can't be lean, strong, and toned. But at the same time, there is no fitness, there's no six packs, there's no oh, I'm so strong. If -hmm. there's no health, you know, there's Mm -hmm. there's over two hundred fifty million Americans just in this country alone who have chronic symptoms, chronic conditions, right? Myself included. I grew up when I was ten. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. They told me you have psoriasis, right? You have this for the rest of your life. Being a 10-year-old, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. They're like, your body's fighting you. Your body doesn't like you. I'm like, what? Like, you're a 10-year-old, you'll believe it, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, the more I've learned these past 5, 10, 15 years, the more I've learned that actually with food, with nutrition, you can heal anything. Mm -hmm. You can heal anything, no matter what people tell you about Mm it.
1: So tell us, um, then you transitioned to the psoriasis. Did you have ongoing issues and it went away at the plant-based diet or did it kind of what was that journey like
0: oh i mean this is this is actually all being completely honest this is still an ongoing journey it's an oh. ongoing journey for me but the transition into whole food plant-based has met, has been spectacular it's mm-hmm. been absolutely spectacular because even when i became became vegan there wasn't such a kind of like shift in like some of the symptoms and things like i saw but oh. the moment i started focusing on and just two things on just adding more fruits and vegetables that was it i as a vegan i ate plenty of fruits and veggies like come on that's all we eat according to everyone else Mm -hmm. but there was a difference between just having one apple a day maybe a banana here and there and amping it up to having Mm -hmm. two or three apples a day three or four bananas a day all of a sudden it was like symptoms that i had for years decades right things that i've been suppressing with steroids hydrocortisone all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's like. Holy crap! All I had to do was have more apples and bananas. Mm. This is nuts, and yet it's that information. That's why I say it's disinformation. Mm-hmm. This kind of information is not. It's not. Nobody talks about it, right? And the people that talk about it, they're like, "Oh, they're crazy, right?" Mm-hmm. Or they're talking about fruits and whole foods. Like, what is this? This is nuts. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, your body's capability of healing itself is is quite profound, and um, and it can you can be very seriously ill and have significant improvements, and sometimes not a hundred percent, but certainly. Uh, improvement to the point that they would have never thought they could have reached that state of health. You know, it really depends on where you're entering into looking into whole food plant-based diet, especially if you can get these young people like yourself, that's really ideal. Like my kids, you know, in their twenties and um, they're all plant-based ones, a physician. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, you think about the future for them is going to be one free of chronic disease,
0: um, mm. you
1: know, hopefully and. Yeah, it's exciting to see uh, the new generation coming up behind people like myself, moving the moving the needle even further. So, excellent. So, tell us a little bit about your kind of fitness journey and what led you and your wife to start the vegan fitness uh, redefined.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, I actually I grew up as an athlete since I was five, and mm-hmm. you know I, I played all the American sports you know like soccer, baseball, tennis, swimming, martial arts, all that, and. In my early 20s, actually, I was uh, trying to play semi-pro soccer. Um, Mm. And it was just, like, my passion. Like, you know, I lived, I breathed uh, soccer. I grew up like my father. He played um, uh, professional uh, soccer for the Ecuadorian national team. So, it was, like, my blood, right? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, So, after that kind of, like, phase in my life, I started, actually, even before then, actually, even before then, I had started going more into the gym and strength Mm -hmm. training and, like, building up my body, right? So, I realized that there's a lot of, like, kind of, like, chronic and like subtle injuries I kept having you know playing soccer all the time like it, it takes a beating on you right you mm-hmm. know playing six eight ten hours a day and you're playing on concrete on grass. it's like it takes a beating and I found that even at a young age you know 17 18 I think I was kind of getting some of these like niggling like injuries right and I was like mm-hmm. wow you know maybe maybe there's a way to like strengthen up my body maybe there's a way to not just be like athletic but also to be strong, right? Mm. Obviously, I'm not such a tall guy, I'm not a big guy. So I I found like, all right, maybe I need to just get strong, get some muscle, right? So that was kind of like my initial motivation. Mm. But then as I progressed, especially with with strength training, I found like it's not just such a a physical activity as it is a character building activity. And I Mm. found the more that you do it over years and years, the more you find like mental and um, emotional traits, like fortitude, resilience, determination, all these things are also developed simultaneously. So going back over to um, when we first started vegan fitness redefined, uh, my wife had actually been working as or she has experience as a nutritional therapist, so very deep experience in nutrition therapy, uh, and like holistic healing arts and things like that. And I came with all the experience as an athlete and you know, being a fitness coach and things like that. And we thought, wow, you know, both be, both being vegan at the time we're like wow it would make sense to kind of like pair up our skills and talents and actually help right. people in these things that we're already passionate in mm.
1: I, had a, I interviewed a, another vegan couple it's called eat, uh, eat move rest the stancics and they have a, a very similar picture they each came with different talents and created something new so that's pretty cool so what do you offer at Being Finished or Defined? Like, what, what do you do if you take someone who's in, just entering into this and they reach out to you for coaching or some advice? Like, where does someone start?
0: Right, right. So typically, we have kind of like a little bit of uh, an interview process, right? So when someone mm-hmm. first reaches out, we don't always take on every person. And I say this, like, because a few years ago, we used to just take on everybody. We're like, oh, come, we'll be your coaches, like, we'll serve you. And we found that, you know, going a little bit slower, especially in the beginning, makes a big difference because we're able to understand the the student, the client, much more deeply. We're able to understand their goals, their needs, Mm -hmm. their aspirations. And when they do come in, if they're accepted, what we go through is a three-tier process, right? We go through mindset, strategy, and their accountability needs, right? And we found with all three of those areas, it's essential because some people... Right. They may think like, Oh, you know, I just need to focus on my macros or my calories, or I just need to get, you know, like, uh, you know, muscle building workouts or fat loss workouts. Right. But the reality is all, be- all behavior is belief driven, right? All behavior is belief driven. And so if we don't have the right mentalities, right, the right belief systems in place, most of us end up self-sabotaging three, six, 12 months down the line. If we don't have the right accountability to hold us on track, when things get, you know, rough, right? <laughs> you know what I mean by that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you go off and you're on vacation or you get sick or, you know, something happens with the family, right? If we don't have these three systems in place, it's an inevitable, right? Even if you have the best plan in the world, if you have the best workout, if you have the best nutrition, I mean, the chances are, and even looking at the statistics, 95% of people who lose weight end up regaining it in five years or less. This mm-hmm. is nuts. Right. The fitness industry, the health industry, we're failing people, right? If we don't understand these behavioral change strategies.
1: Mm. So, how do people change their mindset, or how do you judge someone's mindset to make sure that they're actually in a place to be ready to take on transformation?
0: Mm, it's a great, good question. So psychologists have found that it takes up to 69 times for us to hear something before it starts to sink in. And while some people they may never be truly ready there's an emotional investment that needs to be there in order to move forward, right? You need to be, doesn't mean you have to be like, oh my God, my mindset's perfect. This is all right. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about, are you serious and emotionally invested? Even if you get thrown off track, even if you get sick, right? As long as you're emotionally invested, right? In your health, in your fitness, right? It's very, very likely. I mean, it's not hundred percent, but it's like 99.9% chance that we will succeed. And when we understand that, even if your mentality or mindset isn't perfect, the more we can repeat the right patterns, the right beliefs, things like progress or perfection, one day at a time, setting up winning streaks, right? Focusing on what's going well, not Mm -hmm. all the 50 things that, you know, were shitty that week, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really the key there. Taking into account some of these psychological principles, But also repeating it, you know, just putting in the rest for our mindset, for our for our mind, right? Just like we do for our body, for our muscles, et cetera, et cetera. Mm.
1: So what do you mean by repeating? What are you repeating? What's is this a mantra, words, a belief? Like what does that mean exactly?
0: You know, it can be it can be a few things. It could be an affirmation, right? We we believe in the power of positive affirmations. That's one possible route. It could just be writing down you know three to five key mentalities reviewing it on a daily basis you know maybe there doesn't need to be an actual like verbal articulation of it but actually reviewing it you know the reality is most of us we don't create our current beliefs overnight <laughs> as as much as we like to think like we didn't wake up and think like oh i'm gonna i just suck or i'm not good at this or you know i'm not right. destined to be healthy fit. we didn't create that overnight so we have to acknowledge creating new neural pathways, right? In our brain, in our prefrontal cortex, it just takes time, right? may not take you 20 years, may take you a few months, maybe take you a year or two, but creating those new neural pathways, which is essentially what's happening, just takes some time.
1: Gotcha, and so then, so let's say they, someone's got the right mindset, they're emotionally invested, as you say, and now they move into fitness. So what does that look like? So how does someone begin a fitness journey let's say they're maybe a little bit active or you know, they're not crippled or anything or unable to participate. How do you start someone? Where, what does that conversation look like and what should
0: someone be thinking about? Right. So we, we truly believe in the power of standards. Hmm. Stand, and while, we, while we have goals, and I think it's important for us to have goals, like whether it's drop 20 pounds or build 10 pounds of muscle or you know, improve health or, or blood pressure, whatever that goal is, We believe that having a standard actually can be more powerful than just saying, here's my goal, right? Because Mm -hmm. when most of us start a health and fitness journey, we have goals. Like every week, like, oh, this goal, this is my goal for the week. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to go to the gym five times a week. I'm going to walk 10 times, whatever the goal is, right? But when we have standards, and to clarify what I mean by standard, a standard is your baseline, right? It's what you do not tolerate to go beneath right? Hmm. So a standard could be minimum three strength workouts per week, right? Hmm. Not a goal, like, oh, this week, I'm going to work out three times. No, as a bare minimum, I'm going to get three strength workouts. This week. If I do four or five, awesome. That's a bonus. But as a bare minimum, I'm going to do three strength workouts. Another standard would be five nutrition tracking dates, right? As a bare minimum minimum right mm-hmm. not that every meal has to be perfect not every meal has to be like this beautiful instagram friendly like this is my whole food plant-based meal look everybody no mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like that right but at least five days that you're tracking your nutrition and working towards you know healthy nutritious meals you know the re- we really we really believe that if you focus on the things that give you the most leverage right at least 70 or 80 percent of the time it doesn't need to it doesn't mean you have to be perfect right mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you have to be always like on point always have to be like instagram photo shoot ready right mm-hmm. as long as you're doing things 70 80% of the time mm-hmm. this is going to give you massive results and, and as opposed to trying to be perfect like 100% of the time
1: gotcha so you're instead of trying to reach a goal you're you've kind of flipped it in the mindset of mind thinking this is literally the bare minimum that you you will accept right so this Mm -hmm. this otherwise yeah i kind of like that because you're thinking instead of always striving 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 to meet something and you don't meet it then you feel but it's other difference thinking is hmm the i don't accept anything less than the minimum that we still know will be the 80 percent the Pareto rule type thing gotcha that's good that's really good i haven't had anyone say that before um and I mean, I've had over 300 interviews at this point. And so um, yeah, that's very good. That's good thinking. So now, now we've got that. Is there any specifics that you find that are helpful like in those three you know, strength training exercises per week? And in those meals that you're tracking, how do you define those for the individual? Cause they're all obviously mm-hmm. gonna be a, dip, a bit different.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's some like, main overarching principles, and I can touch on that in a second. Yeah. But yes, you're absolutely correct. Like on an individual to individual case by case, it it will vary. But as an overarching principle, when it comes to strength training, what we look at is really using the law of progressive overload, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that over time, we're lifting heavier, we're adding more volume, whether that's sets, that's reps, that's poundage, right? We're using Basically, we're using the principles of physics to ensure that, okay, we're not just going in the gym and we're doing five hours of cardio and then we're like, why am I not sculpted? Like, why don't I actually look fit, right? And again, it's nothing against cardiovascular health, right? Cardiovascular training is actually phenomenal, right? This is a great way to uh, improve health and, you know, uh, plenty of other ways. But when it comes to strength training, this is hands down one of the most effective ways to lean out, to tone up and actually build up our bone density, our muscle mass, improve our connective tissue, et cetera, et cetera. So number one is the law of progressive overload. And then number two is making sure that we have a way to track this, right? And I think it's very easy, especially when you go to the gym, you're like, oh, man, I just did all this workout. I did these weights and it's all great. But the reality is when we can be objective, right? When we can actually have the data measured together, we can actually see week by week, holy crap, I'm getting stronger. Oh my God, I'm putting in more reps. I'm lifting more weights, right? And I think that's something that it it makes it very powerful when you focus on your behaviors rather than just getting caught up in the results, right? Being more behavior focused, like, oh, you know, let me focus on lifting more. Let me focus on uh, putting more sets and reps as opposed to like, oh, every week I got to drop two pounds or every week I got to build a pound of muscle. You see, we get so obsessed with the results and you notice it takes the joy out of the process, right? The joy of just enjoying it, like oh my god, just going to the gym, it can be a joyful activity. Just cooking a meal, it can be fun, right? But when we're just focused, like oh, I gotta have this perfect meal, or this meal better help me drop two pounds this week, like mm-hmm. kind of takes the joy out of it.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're just in. It's the process of just seeing that continual improvement, not necessarily this very distinct outcome, like the weight loss or whatever that may be for someone interesting. Okay. So that's good too. I mean, it really makes you think about how we speak to ourselves, right? When we're doing something and it really just the conversation inside the head it where it's easier to get off rails, but if you're looking at it a different way, it really is a change in how your perception is, um, as you're absolutely participating in the activity got it. okay. And so now we have the mindset, we are working on you know minimum standards threshold like I just don't do this right It's kind of like saying someone's saying I'm trying to quit smoking and someone says I'm not a smoker anymore right So the I'm yeah. not a smoker is not going to go back to smoking. The someone who's like I'm trying is trying to meet that goal is mm-hmm. trying to so it's the belief system that you're describing I 100% believe that um so now we have those now what with the food is there any particular principles regarding the nutrition that um are kind of generalized principles that people can take into account if they're thinking about this
0: yeah definitely so we we try to see nutrition from a holistic perspective because especially in the fitness industry uh and myself included you know it's very easy to become dogmatic right Mm -hmm. To fall under these nutrition doctrines and laws and like all uh, you, know, these, you know this nutrition dogma also has like priests now you know, it was like oh this is a nutrition guru now right They're mm. so try- <laughs> you know, i'm being facetious right now but it's it's very easy especially especially in the in the health world right, right. I, I really believe that with food and like food beliefs it's like you can go down a lot a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. instead of just focusing on one aspect we focus on three different angles of nutrition i'll cover each one in a second so the first part and I think this is actually the most important, you can say this is the base of the nutrition pyramid is how are you eating, right? How do you eat food, right? Are you somebody that just like eat food in five seconds, right? You don't actually process, you don't actually digest the food, right? 30 to 40% of the digestion process actually happens when we chew the food, right? So we wanna be clear, how how are you eating, right? Mm -hmm. Before we start looking at quantity or quality, right? And there's been studies specifically done on how people eat. There's actually one great study where they had two groups of people go in to a movie theater and they gave them popcorn, right? Like one, group of, one group got a big, big, big bucket of popcorn. The other one got maybe like half the size of it. Mind you, the popcorn they gave them was stale. It wasn't, it wasn't good popcorn. It was just stale popcorn, right? And so these people, they went in to watch the movie. They had the popcorn, right? Researchers are watching. And they found that both groups of people, finish their buckets of popcorn all the way to the bottom, right? Mm. All the way to the bottom. So what does that tell us, right? What does that tell us? Well, it teaches us that people, when they have food, more often than not, they eat what's in front of them, right? They eat what's in front, no matter, doesn't matter the taste, doesn't matter the situation, we typically finish all of our food, it's how many of us are conditioned, right? Mm. So it's really understanding, first and foremost, how are we eating? Are we eating mindlessly? Are we eating mindfully? Are we eating with maybe being mindful of our portions, right? How are we eating? And then moving over to quality of food, right? And quality food is one side of the pyramid as well. And quality food, this is, um, this is one that we're very passionate about, especially in the past couple of years, seeing the impact of having all the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, the phytochemicals, right? all these essential, like seriously, essential, essential ingredients that all of us need. And yet so many of us are walking around completely deprived, depleted, right? And it's so sad because that's essentially, that is the source of so much of our suffering, all of these chronic diseases and symptoms and conditions, right? So it's really focusing on, do we have a base of what what we call the, the holy four food? Do we have enough fruits, vegetables, whole foods, and herbs and spices right it 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 is being mindful right it is being mindful our soil it is depleted right Mm -hmm. we we have to be aware that our soil is actually depleted so it's being aware that possibly being open to maybe you know a little bit more organic produce right because of all the pesticides and all the toxic and everything they're putting on there but if if all you can get is conventional produce that is still a win I guarantee you, having three apples a day will beat having three donuts a day. Doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. So, those are the three principles. And then, do you look at someone, let's say that um, they're trying to lose weight? Where do you begin to assess their caloric needs, uh, macro needs? Because I will get these questions if I don't ask. I will get comments. So, please share that that kind of strategy and how yeah, you begin. Yeah, awesome.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's actually the third one. So that would be quantity, right? So we covered Mm. how do, how do, how do we eat? What is the quality of what we're eating? And then how much are we eating? And Mm. so when we look at how much, this is the law of energy balance. This basically dictates, right? Energy in, energy out. It's a little bit simplistic. There's obviously more nuance to it, but Mm. essentially using this model, we can start to calculate, okay, let's say Lori comes in and she wants to drop, you know, maybe she wants to drop 10 pounds, right? And so we have to set up all right so what is Lori's maintenance calories right what is her calories that will basically maintain her current body weight and current body composition once we have that and we'll go through a calculation just setting up you know some of your biometrics like age height weight activity levels um neat which is non-exercise activity level basically like what you do when you scratch your head right so non-exercise activity thermogenesis and then the thermic effect of food once we have that again it's so a little bit scientific, so I don't want to overwhelm everybody who's listening. They're like, holy shit, what did he just say? No, keep it simple. We just put that into a calculator. It calculates it for us on the individual. And then ideally, we look at dropping anywhere from 250 calories up to 500 calories a day in order to ideally aim for the gold standard of about one pound of fat tissue per week. Again, that can be variable. Some people, they'll notice like, oh my God. All right, and actually, I'll, let me go back a second. As a preface, as human beings, we tend to overestimate how much we really burn and we tend to underestimate how much we really eat. Mm -hmm. So keeping this in mind, right? It's the reason why most people say like, hey, listen, Gabriel, like I hear you on this, but like I dropped 500 calories. Okay, it's actually possible that, that that's the case. But it's also quite possible that maybe we aren't tracking correctly. Maybe we are under tracking. Maybe actually your body has already adapted to those new calories, which is very, very feasible, especially if you've been in in a dieting phase or in a caloric deficit for months or even longer than that. So it's keeping all those variables in mind. Again, it doesn't need to be complicated, but kind of keeping in that in mind, that's the initial calculation. And then from there, I always say that's just the first one, right? Because usually then we may need to make an adjustment, right? And usually Mm -hmm. typically after that, you make an adjustment every couple of months after that. Does that make sense? <laughs> I know I went yeah. on a tangent.
1: <laughs> yep. And then, so that's the caloric um, amounts. And then now, how do you divide that up with the macros? Because I will get that question as well. So what is cool. your preference on percentages of protein, carbs, and fats?
0: It, you know, again, I'll, I'll give a more uh, specialized answer, but it does depend on the goal. Mm-hmm. If you're working towards fat loss, uh, it can be one way, and I'll explain that way. And if it's for muscle building, it can be a different way. And if it's just for maintenance, if you're just maintaining and you're doing more of like a body recomposition, maybe sports performance, that can be also a particular way. I'll speak towards uh, weight loss or fat loss first, and then I'll go over to muscle building and then maintenance. So for for fat loss, for and I'll speak to the vegan and the plant-based community, because that's primarily who we're talking to here. But for the plant-based community, it can be helpful to have protein a little bit higher during fat loss phases. And the reason why, and I know some people may have different beliefs on this, but -hmm. the reason why is because when we're dropping fat tissue, right? we need two things in place in order to retain muscle tone. The first thing we need is a signal from strength training to give us a reason to even keep the muscle. right? Mm -hmm. We don't get that signal, then the body will be primed to drop muscle tissue and fat tissue. Mm-hmm. Number two, we need we need at least a decent amount of amino acids or protein okay. to ensure we even keep the muscle. So we can be working out all day, but if we don't have the building blocks, which is essentially what amino acids are, then again, no reason to keep it. So that could look like, let's say we have an individual, they come in and they want to focus on, let's say drop 20 pounds and for a macro split. So the first thing, setting the caloric intake. So once we have the caloric intake, the macros gets very easy right? Because then all we do is just set it up from there. So typically, we look at protein, carbohydrates, and then fats as the last one. So we'll calculate protein, depending on their body weight. Mm -hmm. And I know some people may be listening, and they track in kilograms. So depending on their body weight in pounds, right? So in pounds, we look at typically at a range anywhere from 0.8 grams, up to even 1.5 grams of protein per pound, again, depends on the person, right? Uh it's kind of like a general range, but anywhere there, we'll calculate first the protein, making sure we're ensuring muscle retention, right? While we're dropping weight or dropping fat tissue, Uh then we're going to prioritize carbohydrates. Again, this one is, this one is demonized in so many circles, like carbs are the devil or carbs are bad and like all these different myths, right? But Uh primarily when we're getting carbohydrates from healthy, whole foods, plant-based sources that fuel us, we also have to understand that from a fitness or a performance aspect, carbohydrates are actually muscle building. They actually aid in the muscle building process Whereas some of us may think like, oh my God, it's not good for muscle. No, actually carbohydrates are actually very, very essential to muscle building because our muscles are 80% water, right? They're 80% water. And when we keep in mind that for every one gram of carbohydrate, you're storing three grams of water. Right, So many people, when they drop weight, they're like, oh my God, I dropped 15 pounds in the first month, right? It's like, okay, that's awesome. Let's acknowledge that. But probably 12 or 13 of those pounds was water weight. Yeah. <laughs> right, So we want to acknowledge that it's, it's very easy, right? It's very easy to get kind of like fooled by the scale on the weight. But when we understand, okay, carbohydrates, yes, it's probably going to retain a little bit more water, but weight. Okay, I actually need carbohydrates to build muscle to keep my strength as I'm focusing on dropping fat tissue. And then the last one then will be fats. And then we'll typically look at anywhere between like twenty to maybe thirty percent for fats. We don't we don't keep we don't typically keep fats as high. We just want to keep it there for more for hormonal bone in, uh, hormonal balance and not overloading the, the body with fats. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with fats, but the higher the fat intake, the more likely our liver is going to have to work harder to process the extra fat and break it down. Mm,
1: okay. So that was weight loss. What about what in that changes for the muscle building component?
0: So this guy, kind of, it, it's actually a lot. I would say actually, if you're working towards like a fat loss phase or you're like how we say in the fitness world, you're shredding or you're you're dropping fat. I would say it's actually a little bit more challenging because you're going to have less calories coming in, which means you have to be more strategic with protein, carbs, and fat. With muscle building, you don't have to be as strategic. And what I mean by this is that when you're muscle building, you can actually get most of your protein intake from whole food plant-based sources. Whereas maybe if you're in a fat loss phase, you might need to be a little bit more open-minded, so maybe a little bit of protein powder, maybe you know a little like you know, vegan, like processed uh, protein, you know, that that may be the case for fat loss, but muscle building. Like we've actually found because so much of whole food plant-based sources, when you mix them up, right? Whether it's like from uh, a grains or a legume or even vegetables, right? It's mm-hmm. actually really, really easy to hit protein goals and carbohydrate goals and fat goals while doing it kind of like in a fun and more sustainable way, if that makes sense. So typically for protein, we're looking at about like 0.8 to about 1.0 grams per pound for muscle building. So a little bit less. And then for carbohydrates, again, this is where we can have a lot of fun because muscle building, depending on how long you're doing it, you get a lot more room for like, you know, playing around with macros and eating a lot more. Um, so carbohydrates can any, go anywhere from like 40 to even like 70% uh, of the intake coming from carbohydrates. And then whatever's remaining, we lot for the fat macros at that point.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And so um, so we had the mindset, we talked about the food, we talked about the macros, what's left in the journey of transformation for someone?
0: So once we have these things left, and we covered a lot, we're like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) What's left? Essentially, consistency. Consistency and accountability. And there may be adjustments, right? Because again, this is just the first you could say like initial adjustment. We first set like, all right, these are first targets for the workouts, first targets for nutrition. The main thing here is now collecting data, whether that's from a nutrition tracking software or a strength tracking software, and then making sure we have data there so we can observe it like objectively, right? And then continue to refine the process. This may take anywhere from like two to six weeks as we're refining things, as we're like, all right, so how much how much weight do I need to live in the gym? But well, usually that takes a couple of weeks until you start to adjust and start to Like recognize, okay, all right, maybe maybe I don't need to be lifting the five pound pink dumbbells anymore. Maybe I should go over to the twenties now. (laughs) Right. Starting to understand, okay, what are the maybe for nutrition, what are maybe six to eight meals, right? Uh I can consistently have. Maybe templating out as a recipe or having it as um, kind of like saved as storage, right? Kind of getting all those kinks out in that first month or two. And then from there, essentially it's just being consistent. I know there's a lot of sexy stuff in health and fitness. But essentially, with the principles that we're covering right here, with the law of energy balance, with looking at the law of progressive overload and looking at whole food, plant-based foods,
1: essentially, I
0: guarantee you would see better progress than most people who change their strategy every month or every year, every single decade.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So that really lays out a very simple map of... I mean, I say simple in the sense of you know there are there are there are strategies and principles in place that you've seen will work when people are consistent with their actions and habits, which that's the hard part, right? That gets back to the mindsets and the behavior component, which is by far the most difficult aspect of any of us who are trying to help people find better health. Um, fantastic. So. This was fantastic. Is there any other final advice you'd like to share with anyone who is considering starting this journey? Because you're obviously very knowledgeable. And what have you seen helps a lot of people?
0: Mm. I think the most important thing is having an open mind. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's
0: been one of the most powerful things I've had, I've experienced in my own life, is Mm -hmm. having an open mind, being receptive. Being a student at heart, and I think it's very helpful when you have an open mind, even, you know, even if you're not vegan, even if you're not fully plant based, or even if you are, right, maybe you've been vegan for 10 years or 20 years, right? The thing is, when we have an open mind, it actually, it's like, I love the analogy of a garden, right? When we have a fertile garden, right? When the garden is ready to be planted, or when the student is ready and the teacher appears, right, we're able to grow much more exponentially. And, you know, they've done plenty of studies on the the difference between a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. But, you know, you'll find that in society, the people who tend to grow the most, learn the most, you know, maybe even enjoy life the most are the people who have open minds, the ones who are like, okay, maybe, you know, doing this other random diet thing that I found on the internet, maybe maybe I, I should be open to something. Maybe me doing, you know, 20 hours of cardio on the Stepmaster. Maybe, you know, maybe I should look at something else, right? You mm-hmm. know, the whole point here is just being receptive to learning. Because even though, it, even if we end high school or college or whatever educational place you've come from, you know, the thing is the learning never ends, right? Mm-hmm. It's always there. And, you know, the information now is so readily available that I think it's actually not a lack of, mis- um, not information. It's actually a, um, too much information. It's like what, what happens when people get too much information, they get um, like infobeasts, they get obese with information. So it's absorbing what's useful, discarding what's not, and then adding what is uniquely mine. Like, what is it that resonates with me? What is it that makes sense? What is based on evidence-based principles? And then moving forward with that.
1: hmm No, I think it just relates back down to searching for the truth right, and what's working, the hard facts of, at least in our scientific realm that we have evidence of, and always being curious, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's a superpower, curiosity. Um, you just look at little kids, they're always curious, they ask tons of questions. And so yeah. when you ha- go into it, like with the, the curiosity mindset and the joy of learning, that makes the whole judgment of, am I being open-minded? It doesn't even matter because you're just always looking for curiosity and looking for answers you're open-minded right so and yeah. just minding your response though because sometimes we live in our silos and then someone cracks open a door and it's like hey what are you guys doing in here what about this and people get a little defensive but just being I think like an open heart too is really key just to, yeah. to oh, be I accepting accepting of whatever news oh. is coming your way so absolutely Project. that's fantastic Project. so yeah. well thank you Gabriel is there um if there's any place we should be looking to find you besides uh veganfitnessredefined.com where else can people be in touch
0: sure sure so you can find me on instagram at Gabriel underscore Shinye. Uh, and if that's hard to spell, I'm sure Lori will put the There'll be a link, <laughs> but it's
1: Z-H-A-N-A-Y, yes. <laughs> correct, correct.
0: And then uh, also on Facebook, you can find me and add me at Gable Finney.
1: Gotcha, perfect. Yes, we'll have links to all those guys in the show notes. Um, but definitely share this with someone if you feel that might resonate with and leave a, a great comment, subscribe. And we're super excited that you came to speak to us today. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you, Lori. It was a pleasure being on with you. Thank you.
1: Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe and alert buttons so you don't miss out on any of the amazing content we're working so hard to provide you. We upload a new episode of Health & Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus every Friday. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find us on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify if you're looking for amazing resources to help you start and sustain a plant-based diet exercise recipes or anything wellness we got you covered there too because at mora we actually provide physician-led support groups to help people live happier healthier lives free of metabolic disease don't forget to check out our website at mora.com and thanks again for watching